emanating from www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash thinking out loud radio. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast for this show on iTunes, Google Play Music, and TuneIn. So excited, as I usually am, that you decided to t- tune in to this special edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Follow us on Twitter at TOL Radio Show and Instagram at The TOL Radio Show. And like our Facebook fan page. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Minutes. It's Meet the Candidates Month every Tuesday in October. This is the month where local politics takes center stage on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Every Tuesday during the month of October, listen to radio show host Michael Nemes interview the major candidates in this upcoming November election. Detroit deserves a great city clerk because our voices matter and our votes have to count. Our city's political power depends on it. This Tuesday, October 31st, on blogtalkradio.com forward slash thinking out loud radio, Michael Nemes talks to candidate for Detroit City Clerk, Garland Gilcrest. This is definitely an interview you don't want to miss. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Detroit Youth Choir is a nonprofit organization right here in the city of Detroit. Uh, we service young people between the age of 8 and 18 in the performing arts. We, uh, we do music education. We do uh, learning, a lot of learning by rope, you know, hands-on and uh, acting and performing. You have a big opportunity coming up. Tell our listeners about that. The Detroit Youth Choir has... Uh, been called upon to audition for America's Got Talent. Uh, this is our first time actually auditioning for something this big. And so you're going to need funds for this trip, right? Yes, sir. We're going to need approximately $5,000 uh, to, to help us uh, with lodging If you want to donate towards this worthwhile cause, just go to DetroitYouthChoir.org and make your donation today.
Welcome to the Halloween edition <laughs> of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nemitz. Man, I'm so glad that you have taken the time out today to spend a few minutes with us on this special edition, the Halloween edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We've got a lot of great things in store for you, including a very special interview that we did with candidate for Detroit City Clerk Garland Gilcrest. We did a, a recently did an interview with him, and we're going to be sharing that interview with you on tonight. Also, I see that a few people are on our Facebook fan page. I see my mother-in-law, Beverly Thomas, is on with us. How you doing, Bev? Uh, also, my good friend, Sean Hart, has joined us. What's up, man? Appreciate you guys tuning in and watching us on our Facebook fan page. Do us a favor and share the feed on your timeline as well. In our community spotlight, as you recall, we've been providing you updates regarding the Detroit Youth Choir's GoFundMe account and their trip to Cincinnati, Ohio to audition for America's Got Talent. As of today, October 31st, along with your donations, you've helped them raise $4,110. They are now less than $1,500 away from securing the monies they need for the entire trip. Thank you so much, those of you who've donated already to see these young people audition for America's Got Talent. If you still want to donate, you can go to DetroitYouthChoir.org and make your donation today. Also, if you're watching us live on our Facebook fan page, be sure to share the feed on your timeline so others can join in on the discussion on tonight. We also ask that you click on the post on our Facebook fan page so that you're able to hear the audio for the entire show. There will be pockets during the show that you won't be able to hear from the Facebook fan page because of, um, of how the stream works. So you have to click the post in our feed to get the audio that's coming through Blog Talk Radio. Remember to follow us on all of our social media accounts for the show. On Twitter at TOL Radio Show. On Instagram at The TOL Radio Show. And on our Facebook fan page at Facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or TuneIn. And tell somebody about what's going on on the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Speaking of following us, I want to give a huge shout out to Think Out Thinking Out Loud radio show listener Roz Roberts, who's been listening to our show since the very beginning, and she's listening all the way from California. That's right, she is listening from California. I found this information out from a mutual friend, Renita James, a couple days ago, and Renita has also been a longtime listener of. A Thinking Out Loud radio show And I truly appreciate these ladies Listening to our show Please remember to tell your family Friends and co-workers About what's going on On the Thinking Out Loud radio show
In the second half of the show, we're going to be discussing our question of the week. Is it okay for Christians to celebrate Halloween? As you know, today is Halloween, and many kids are out trick-or-treating right now as we speak. And I want to know from those of you who are Christians, do you allow your children to participate in the Halloween festivities? If so, why? And if not, why not? This, again, should make for some good discussion in the second half of our show. We've already got some great feedback from some of our friends on Facebook, and we plan to share them with you during our listener feedback segment in the second half of the show. Remember, during this time, we're going to open up the phone line so people can call us and give us their feedback or ask a question about whatever we've discussed on the show. The phone number to call in is 646 787 1615. 646 787 1615. And give us your thoughts and opinions on the question of the week. We begin our current events segment in this edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show with breaking news. A terrorist attack took place today just a couple of hours ago in New York City. A terrorist apparently drove his van on a bike path, deliberately killing eight people and wounding several others. The police have apprehended the subject and the suspect and developments are still coming out about this unfortunate incident. Our thoughts and prayers go out to the victims of this terrorist attack. CNN is reporting on yesterday that Paul Manafort and Rick Gates both were indicted by Special Prosecutor Robert Mueller. These were key individuals directly involved with Donald Trump's campaign for the presidency. Trump tweeted out in response to the federal indictment, sorry, but this is years ago, before Paul Manafort was part of the Trump campaign. But why are crooked Hillary and the Dems the focus? Immediately following this tweet, it was reported that George Papadopoulos, another high-level national security advisor for the Trump campaign, that they're now saying was just a low-level volunteer at best. Uh, I mean, the spin is that's coming out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue is unbelievable. Uh, yet this this individual uh, has pled guilty to uh, lying uh, to federal agents regarding the Russia probe. And so he's now cooperating with uh, the FBI and the federal government uh, in in an attempt to uh, get more information about collusion, possible collusion charges that uh, uh, federal prosecutor Robert Mueller is planning to bring against those uh, who uh, may have been involved. And so. Uh, th- that recently came out and according to CNN reports Mueller is not done by no stretch of the imagination he's absolutely just getting started CNN reports indictments and a guilty plea among ex-campaign aides suggest those in Trump's orbit have much to fear from the special counsel uh, this uh, this kind of reminds of us Elliot Nest and the Untouchables, you know, ha- kind of has that feel to it, you know, corruption at the highest level. Uh, we'll definitely continue to keep watching to see how all of this shakes out. 
In another report from Newsweek, Texas owner and prominent Trump donor Bob McNair says during the NFL owners meeting, we can't have the prisoners running the asylum. Talking about the black NFL players who are taking a knee during NFL pro uh, as an as a, a protest in the NFL. Uh, in, close, in a closed door meeting of fellow team owners and league ex- executives, McNair made uh, this highly offensive statement and quickly apologized after the comment was reported. What's interesting to me is that he quickly apologized once the comment was reported. I wonder if he would have apologized if the comment never became public but remained confined within the insulated boardroom of the NFL offices. I think we know the answer to that question. And now you have to question the authenticity of the apology. To me, it doesn't carry much weight because he was only saying what I believe he really believes to be the case when it comes to the NFL and its players. Most of the Texan players, in response to their owners' comments, took a knee during the national anthem before their game against the Seattle Seahawks. Here's a riddle for you. What do Harvey Weinstein, Mark Halperin, and now actor Kevin Spacey, best known for his role as President Francis Underwood in the wildly popular Netflix political drama House of Cards, all have in common. They've all been accused of sexual assault or harassment. That's right, on October 29th, actor... Uh, Anthony Rapp, in an interview with BuzzFeed, alleges that actor Kevin Spacey sexually harassed him and assaulted him back in 1986 while he was 14 and Kevin Spacey was 26. In response to these allegations, Kevin Spacey tweeted out that he did remember this incident but apologized for his drunken behavior and used this opportunity to announce that he was chosen to live a life as a gay man. Netflix has decided to suspend production of its highly popular political drama, House of Cards, in light of these new allegations against their star actor. This is a culture in Hollywood that has been a well-kept secret for a long time. And secrets like these are only exposed when Hollywood wants to get rid of someone. It's not because they want to cleanse themselves of this abusive and misogynistic culture. It's only because they want to take away someone's membership to this exclusive club. Maybe one day we'll we'll take an entire show to really get into this. But keep watching and watch the face of these men and you'll understand what I mean. Well, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to get right into our interview with candidate for Detroit City Clerk, Garland Gilcrest. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial. Stay here. Stay close. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. It's their birthday and need a gift for that special someone. Then call KCN Designs today and sit back and smile. KCN Designs specializes in custom-made, all-occasion baskets that are sure to make that special someone smile. Call KCN Designs today at 248-820-3691 and order your custom basket today. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. (laughs) 
Hi, my name is Renita James, and I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with the radio host, Michael Nimmin. I encourage you to tune in on Tuesday evenings from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. Listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com forward slash thinking out loud radio or watch us live on our Thinking Out Loud radio show fan page. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. for a professional tax and bookkeeping service, then look no further than Consumer Tax Clinic. This is a full-service preparation and bookkeeping service that prides itself on great customer service, professionalism, and getting results. Have tax returns that still need to be filed or getting audited or having issues with IRS? Call Consumer Tax Clinic today at 248-395-0079. That's 248-395-0079. Consumer Tax Clinic, a tax service designed with you in mind. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. On this Halloween edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show for our Meet the Candidates series, we're happy to have candidate for Detroit City Clerk Garland Gilcrest on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Let's give him a warm Thinking Out Loud radio show welcome. Absolutely. Love to be thinking out loud all, all, every week. Mr. Gilcrest. Tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and how you decided to run for Detroit City Clerk. Sure, and it's it's an important uh, process, um, but I want to tell you listeners about me. So, I am a Detroit kid. I was born on the west side and raised on the east side, and I was a person who benefited from uh, the love and nurturing of parents who, in addition to their professional lives, were also servants in our community. Um, my neighborhood on the west side, I lived at Lafayette. I mean, on the east side, I lived at Lafayette McDougal, and my mother ran our neighborhood association, and my dad was part of our citizens' district council. And so I saw at a very young age what service looked like to community and being engaged with my neighbors and being in a relationship with people who wanted to see change happen for the better at the neighborhood level. And so I, I learned from that a lot as a child. And I'm coupling that with my grandmother and my grandma Doris who was a social studies teacher at Munger Middle School for 32 years on the west side. And grandma taught me my history, and she taught me the history of the city of Detroit and the civil rights movement. And perhaps most importantly, my grandma bought me my first computer when I turned five years old. She made me the first kid Mm. on my block on Wood Circle to get a computer. And she really opened me up to a new world of possibility, of problem solving, of technology. And she just was a visionary woman, and, and she changed the trajectory of my life. And I kept that computer with me all the way through the DAPSEP classes and all the way through school and all the way to the University of Michigan, where I know you were Spartan, so, so we'll, we'll, we'll stay in that conversation <laughs> for another day. But um, all, the way to the uni- all the way to the University of Michigan College of Engineering, where I graduated with degrees in computer engineering and computer science. 
and after that, I went to work as a software engineer at Microsoft for, for uh, Bill Gates, where I he was a software engineer who solved problems and fixed systems and made things work for people across the country and across the world. I learned a lot during that experience about how to solve problems and use technology. And that was great. And then something historic happened. Uh, you know, Barack Obama ran for president. It started in 2007, mm. coming into 2008, and I was so inspired, like so many millions of people in the country and really across the world were, that I stepped up to work on that campaign. I actually worked first as a volunteer and ended that campaign managing social media for the Obama campaign in Washington State, where I was living, in the, in the, in, I was in the city of Seattle uh, and working in the state of Washington. And I got a mm. chance to use technology to pull new people into that historic political process, um, something I'm really proud of is the Obama campaign was the first campaign to ever use text messaging to recruit people to volunteer for a national campaign. I helped create that program to get people from their cell phones to engage in politics. So uh, enabled, we were able to participate in a new way on a historic campaign that won, that was inspiring, that was transformative. And I, I'm so humbled to have the experience was so powerful that it actually led me to leave my work at Microsoft. I actually quit my job at Microsoft a week before my wife and I got married. And mm. a month later, I moved with my wife our, our, as newlyweds. We moved to Washington, D.C., where I really wanted to follow in the president's footsteps. He was a community organizer very early in his career. And I actually went to get classically trained as a community organizer, as a fighter for social and economic justice. Uh, I went to Washington, D.C. I worked at a place called the Center for Community Change, and I learned how to do community organizing. I went, I learned old school organizing, and I, le- and I then took and put my new school flavor on it because I was a person who knew ever since my childhood how to help people set agendas and build power. But I also became an organizer who knew how to use technology to connect people in modern ways, to engage young people in the process and help us build power and connect in ways that we were using social media and Facebook and, and, and Twitter and things like that to really connect and engage people so they can have their voices heard. And I worked in D.C. as a community organizer. I was the national campaign director for an organization called MoveOn.org. It's the largest uh, progressive social justice organization in the country that's not a labor union, where we fought for everything from economic justice to social justice, for health care, for fair housing, um, to uh, combating voter suppression. And um, that's really relevant to the role of the city clerk, which I'll get to in a moment. Um, but one of the things I'm most proud of in my career is that I actually, uh, when I was working alongside the Obama campaign, I recruited 6,000 people to to volunteer for the president in 2012 for his reelection and 34,000 people across the country. And I also um, worked to stop the voter suppression efforts of Republicans in other states, frankly, who were trying to suppress the votes of black voters and Latino voters in the state of Florida, actually. Um, in 2012, there was an attempt to suppress the votes of 300,000 black and Latino Floridians um, simply because their names sounded like they were black or Latino. And mm. that's wrong, and it was racist. And I started a campaign that got 165,000 people across the country to sign a petition to then Attorney General Eric Holder, which I delivered to his office myself in Washington, D.C., to ask that he block that racist voter purge because it was wrong and it was illegal. And the Attorney General of the United States agreed with me and blocked that purge, and we protected those voters' rights. So I learned how to fight for rights. I learned how to win campaigns. I learned how to organize people and mobilize them in large numbers to, to, mm-hmm. to gain our political power and to, to assert our political power. And that was also a, a fantastic experience. Uh, but you know what? Like, so 
I have twin children who were born on my birthday in 2013. And wow. when my twins were born, yeah, man. So, so when my twins were born, my wife and I, you know, we, we soon after made a decision that we wanted to raise our children in our hometown. I wanted to raise my babies in Detroit. So when my kids were 10 months old, I made the decision as an adult to do the thing that many young people my age, I just turned 35, and my wife and I just celebrated our eighth wedding anniversary. And many young people my age who have choices and who have means, they make the decision to, to leave Detroit with their children. Well, I made the opposite choice. I came home with my babies to raise them in Detroit. And I came home, started working for the city of Detroit. I was the city's first ever director of innovation and emerging technology. I started in the summer of 2014. And mm-hmm. my job was to use everything that I've learned in my career and in my education to solve problems and fix systems that were broken and were not serving Detroiters. And I got right to work. You know, my second day on the job, we had a once in 100-year rainstorm. I don't know if you remember that. In August 2014, we had like the lodge was flooded, and it was, mm-hmm. we had a 100-year rainstorm. And so my second day on the job at the city I got to work putting in a way for people to make a request that the city inspector come and look at the trees that may have fallen to block their sidewalk and streets or may have fallen on their homes so they could understand how the city could help them. And I got to work solving problems immediately, and I did things like that. I actually created a, a platform called Improve Detroit, something that makes city services more trustworthy, something we need in the voting process and easier to use. I wrote the city's policy on transparency, um, making it easier for citizens and residents to get information about what the government is or is not doing. That was implemented in February of 2015. And I fixed life and death systems. Like I fixed the way that the city of Detroit manages and maintains fire hydrants, working with the fire department and the water department, because we have a lot of fire hydrants that haven't worked for decades. And so I got to, to do some very important things, and it was fulfilling, and it was great to be doing it at home with my children at home, with my wife at home. And then I went to vote in November of 2016, and my experience, just like many Detroiters experience, was an absolute disaster. Not even talking about the results and however you may feel about the president and him winning the state of Michigan. I'm talking about the experience of voters in Detroit. I vote mm-hmm. at a library called the Frederick Douglass Library. It's on the corner of Grand River and Trumbull on the west side of Detroit. And my wife and I, we took our children to vote as a family on Election Day because that's what, that's what my parents did for me. I always wanted my parents to vote. And we took mm-hmm. our twin children. They were three years old at the time. We took them to the polling place 15 minutes after it opened at 7.15 a.m. We got there. We get in line. It was short at that time. And by 7.30, 15 minutes later, we saw everything that could go wrong at a polling place go wrong. Our voting machine malfunctioned. It broke. We ran out of paper, pens. We ran out of these things called privacy screens, which is a piece of paper you use to hide your ballot so other people can't see who you voted for. We, our system was a mess, and it took us an hour and a half to cast our ballots. I saw my friends and neighbors have to get out of line because some people in Detroit have to be at work at a specific time at 8 o'clock or 8, and they could not afford. They would lose their jobs if they didn't get out of line and go to work, but they could not afford to wait on a broken voting process to serve them. It was a failure. Mm-hmm. It failed those people. And, you know, there's a phrase in the English language for what we describe as when someone goes who has the right to vote, attempts to vote, and is prevented from doing so, and that phrase is voter suppression. Those votes were suppressed by a broken voting system. And that system, we, the, the results of that brokenness were on national display. We didn't get election results for four days in Detroit. 
we did not we tried to do a, a recount in the state of michigan that started and stopped in detroit because in 59 percent of the polling places the numbers in the poll books didn't match the numbers in the voting machines as far as who wrote, how many people voted at that precinct the um and then the state of michigan actually did an audit to find out what happened and the results of that audit showed that the failures were due to inadequate training by the current city clerk who did not train and poll workers adequately and so mm-hmm. when all these problems happened um, a number of uh, uh, my neighbors and, and, and friends and people in Detroit um, actually asked me to consider um, running for Detroit City Clerk because they thought I had the right background, the right skills, the right experience, and the right level of energy to fix the voting process and fix the broken systems that stand between Detroiters and their political power. And I, I appreciated that. I thought that was a very humbling suggestion. But honestly, it wasn't something that I had ever really considered. You know, this time last year, I was not thinking about running for political office. I was thinking about what my kids were going to be for Halloween. And my <laughs> wife and I, we, we, took, we took a step back and we, we thought about it because there were people who we had a great deal of respect for who, um, who made the suggestion. And it took us two months to really contemplate what this would mean um, for our family. You know, we have young children that just turned four. And we, we, you know, that campaigning is a, is a, is a time-consuming effort. And just what does it look for our family? Um, do we believe there was a path to victory? And, two, and a couple of months later, um, in February of 2017, we made the decision that we were going to go forward. And so I left my job with the city of Detroit. I launched my campaign on March 30th, and um, I was able to make it through the primary. And now I'm on the ballot November 7th, competing to be the next city clerk in Detroit and to, get, to stand tall for Detroit and get our voters the change that we need so that we can trust our voting process again. Wow. What a truly amazing story. If elected to the office of Detroit City Clerk, how do you plan to fix this broken system? Sure. So we need to start with what we know to be to have been broken and what's been identified. At bottom, this is about making sure that we are the people who step up to work at our polling places and who work at our elections during every election. I thank them. That's a really important job. These are literally the people who are the managers of our democracy and our voting and our democratic process. So they need to be met with respect. And the, the, the training them, they're not charged with training themselves. So your listeners can't see me. I'm a former basketball player. I'm six foot eight. <laughs> and when I was a ball player, we had to have basketball practice to prepare for basketball games. Not only did we train, but we had to go through all the motions and go through all the scenarios to know what was happening. So one of the Mm -hmm. things I want to implement is to make sure that we're giving our poll workers adequate training that meets different people where they are. Different people learn and take in information in different ways. Some people learn visually. Some people learn by hearing. Some people learn by getting up and moving and doing and they need to hear information and be trained in, in a way that they will be able to internalize because it meets their learning style. It also needs to meet people at their different literacy levels because everyone in Detroit doesn't read it the same way or at the same pace. And so the training needs to be flexible for that. And most importantly, people need to be able to practice before election day, get a full run. It's kind of like when you have fire drills in, in elementary school, you have to know what to do when the bell rang. And so similarly, when things happen on election day, if we practice all the scenarios, people will be prepared for what happens. Well, our, our poll workers aren't getting that opportunity today, and so I'm running to change that. It's like – and unfortunately, there have been some really bad outcomes from that, from that lack of practice that happened in the primary in August of 2017 because, unfortunately, these problems haven't been fixed. There was an issue at the polling place at the WC3 campus at the corner of Outer Drive and Southfield Freeway where mm-hmm. the people working the polling place got there in the morning – 
and they set up in the wrong part of the building and therefore didn't have any ballots with them. Now, the reason that happened is because they had not been able to come and practice on site at that facility. They didn't know where to go. That's not their fault. That is the fault of leadership who failed to prepare them. And so that we need to, we need to fix these things so that the people who work in our polls are prepared to serve us. The second thing we need to do is to restore faith and trust in the political process. Because these last two elections, we have not had great voter turnout. We only had 41% voter turnout in November 2016. In the August 2017 primary, we had less than 14% voter turnout. That's a failure, and I believe that people didn't vote. And I know this is important to you, and I've and I heard your show where you talked about this question. People didn't mm-hmm. vote because they are losing faith in the process. The person mm-hmm. who's responsible for running that process is the Detroit city clerk. So that means that people are losing faith in leadership and losing faith in the city clerk's ability to administer elections. And especially after failing in November 2016, I can understand why some people checked out the next year. And so what we need to do is do things for people who vote absentee, for example. More than one out of every three voters in Detroit votes on an absentee ballot. Many of them are senior citizens. We should be doing things that I proposed since the beginning of my campaign, like sending absentee voters confirmation receipts after they mail their ballots back in, so they at least know that the city has received their vote back. For years, they've just put those ballots in the mail and then prayed that something good happens to it. I'm a man of faith, but I don't believe you should be, have, to, have to pray that hard. You should know what happens to your vote after you cast it. And so we need to make sure that people have that confidence and that trust by sending them a confirmation receipt. We need to have the ballot handling and the ballot counting process be completely transparent. There should be no question about once your ballot is received, if you put it in the voting machine or if you send it back in the mail, what happens to it, where it goes, how it's stored, who touches it, how it gets transported. Right now, these are questions that voters don't understand and they don't trust the process because of it. And then last but not least, we need to do everything we can to increase voter turnout. There are research-proven methods to, that will increase the number of registered voters who actually turn out to cast ballots. And we're leaving those opportunities on the table. You know, um, one example is making sure that people vote at the polling place that's closest to where they live, rather than having to have a polling place across the street, but have to go and drive two or three miles away. I mean, I live basically almost two miles away from where I vote, but research shows that if you live within a mile of where you vote, you're more likely to actually follow through and cast a ballot. And so I'm going to be working on that in my first month in office to make sure people are voting at the polling place closest to where they live. It's within the Detroit City Clerk's authority to make sure voting is convenient, and Detroit City Clerk must have the imagination, the ideas, and the energy to be able to not rest until that happens for Detroiters. I want to go back to something that you said earlier regarding voter apathy because I believe it's a problem that truly exists. And in the context of the show that you're referring to, when we were talking about voter apathy, we were referring to the political gamesmanship and the shady dealings that politicians uh, seem to uh, be engaged in that causes voters to lose faith and trust in the system. So that's what we were talking about. And I I wonder uh, what your thoughts are regarding that regardless of what other politicians do it is the mm-hmm. responsibility of the detroit city clerk to manage the elections and do everything in their power to make sure as many detroiters as possible participate in the voting process it is mm-hmm. frankly a shirking and an abdication of responsibility 
to blame that on others when you're not doing everything in your power to increase voter turnout. So I absolutely believe that there, there are things that the Detroit city clerk as the administrator of elections, as the chief elections officer, that's what the city charter calls the clerk, the chief elections officer can do to increase voter turnout. And so regardless of what anybody else or what some politician, other politician does, that's not what's important. It's important to take responsibility for the fact that our voter turnout numbers in Detroit are dismal. And, you know, we don't have the same voter turnout that we have that, that we see in other cities. You know, we don't have 13.8% voter turnout in municipal elections. That is not something we should accept, and it's a failure of imagination and a lack of taking responsibility that rests there. That's why we need to be doing things like going where people are. For example, um, many we talk a lot of times this voter apathy question is raised in the context of younger people. I just turned mm-hmm. 35. You know, in the last municipal election in Detroit in 2013, less than 6,400 voters under the age of 35 voted. Less than 6,400. That's not because of something some politician did. That's because of lack of engagement. And, you know, a lot of young people like me, you know, I know you have this show has a Facebook page. It's very active and you've got 1,100 followers. And that's fantastic. And Mm -hmm. that's because you're someplace where people are, where your listeners are. Well, the city clerk needs to do the same thing. That's why in my campaign, We've been using Facebook and social media very heavily to reach voters in Detroit, young people, as well as the fastest growing demographic on Facebook, which is people over the age of 60. But our current city clerk, the Department of Elections, which is how the, where the election gets administered from, has not updated its Facebook page since September 11th of 2013. That's more than four years ago. That's, that's since before my children were born. It is literally invisible to people who are using social, relying on social media, relying on Facebook every day to, to connect with people who are important to them and get information about the world. We have to go where people are if we expect to engage them. We can't be afraid to do that. That's why the city clerk should be doing things like making sure that people are um, making election day plans and encouraging them to do so by any means, whether that's the billboards um, that are up around the city, that instead of having a picture of a voting machine on it, which has never been proven to increase voter turnout, we should use research proving methods like having people make election day plans for what time they're going to vote on election day. Because research shows that if you make a plan for what time you're going to vote on election day, you're more likely to follow that plan and actually cast your ballot. There are things that the Detroit City Clerk needs to do to engage, inform, and empower Detroiters to become voters, and those things are not happening. And these, this is true regardless. See, the Detroit News and the Detroit Free Press endorsed my candidacy for Detroit City Clerk because they said that I had ideas that were not did not require the permission of anybody else, not the state of Michigan, not any other politician. They were ideas that could be implemented by the Detroit City Clerk and under the Detroit City Clerk's own authority. And that's what we need right now. We can't, we can't abdicate responsibility and blame it on somebody else. That's exactly what my opponent did when asked about the election results in 2016 and what happened and why it was such a mess. She blamed it on, well, you know, this is a raggedy city, and we do what we always do. You know, we're going to make it work, but, you know, this is a raggedy city. And blaming it on the poll workers and them, them not being trained. Well, it was her responsibility to train them. And so I think we need to it, – it's time out. It's, it's, we're done now for uh, elected officials, people who are accountable to voters in Detroit, not taking responsibility for what they are charged and tasked with. And, and I'm, you're going to get a different kind of leadership from Colin Gilchrist as the city clerk. Mr. Gilchrist, uh, how do you see voting – uh, in you know five or ten years from now, what is the system? What is the voting system going to look like five or ten years from now? Not just in the city of Detroit, but across the country, because there isn't any uniform way that states vote 
uh, right now. But do you see that changing? Do you see uh, a uniform way that people will be voting? How do you think voting will look uh, 10 or 15 years from now? Well, I'm going to do everything in my power to have the future of voting be a future where more people are registered and more people actually vote. That's what, so that, that's where I'm starting. So, mm-hmm. you know, um, I'm going to give you a concrete example. Um, the month of September, which happens to be my birthday month, is the uh, it's called National Voter Registration Month. It's where all across the country, um, ad- activists and advocates are focusing on registering people to vote every year. During the month of September of this year, I ran ads on radio on four radio stations, excuse me, three radio stations in Detroit, uh, reminding people to register to vote, talking about the importance of voter registration. Now, I'm a candidate for Detroit City Clerk. I'm running for office, but I ran these voter registration ads, and they were so important to me that in the voter registration ad, I actually did not even ask people to vote for me because I didn't care about who they voted for. I cared that they registered. That's exactly what the city clerk needs to be doing during National Voter Registration Month. But unfortunately, our current city clerk was not doing that, was not taking advantage of the opportunity. And the deadline was October 10th, and I was out there talking about it more than a month in advance, and my opponent wasn't talking about it until uh, much closer to the deadline. So the reason that's important is because I don't think we can have a future of voting worth talking about if we're not aggressively using every means, every excuse, every resource to try to get more people registered so that they can participate. That's step one. Now, going forward, we also need to make sure that our registered voters are turning out. So in the future, I expect us to, uh, and then one thing I'm going to implement, is making sure that we're using everything we can to turn registered voters into people who cast ballots. And, and one way we can do this in Detroit, again, another research-proven method, is that you know, 99% of people in the city of Detroit have a cell phone that can receive a text message, even if you have a smartphone or a flip phone, Obama phone, like that phone can receive a text message. Well, mm-hmm. research shows that if a person gets a text message reminder within two days of the election, that reminds them that the election is in two days and that uh, they vote at this particular location, they're more likely to, to actually go and cast a ballot because they read that text message. Research shows that. And so when I was working as the director of innovation for the city of Detroit, I actually bought the first system in Detroit history that allows the government to send text messages to residents. Wow. The Detroit city clerk does not use that system. So it is, again, another opportunity to improve and increase voter turnout being left on the table. In the future, election administrators and leaders need to use every available means to reach people where they are. And so many people in Detroit have a cell phone in their pocket or in their purse, and they look at it dozens of times a day. So they need to be able to get important information about how they can exercise their political power on that device. So this is why we need aggressive new ideas and new leadership in the Detroit City Clerk's Office to help bring us into that future of voting when more people participate. As we conclude uh, this interview for today's show, I want to get your uh, thoughts. And again, I want to thank you for being on uh, the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We truly appreciate it. But I want uh, you to tell our listeners why uh, you want them to vote for you in November. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Mike, and thank you to your listeners for tuning in. My name is Garland Gilchrist II, and I'm asking you to vote for me for Detroit City Clerk because we are a powerful city. And in order for our power to truly be felt across the city, across the county, across the state, and across the country, our votes have to be respected and protected. And that's why they need to be handled properly in a transparent way. It's time for new ideas and new leadership and proven experience to fix broken systems and to fix the problems with our voting process. 
So I'm asking you to vote for Garland Gilchrist for city clerk to stand tall for Detroit alongside you so we can be informed and empowered to walk through the doorway to democracy and decision-making in Detroit. Please check me out at gilchristforcityclerk.com. We're on social media everywhere at Gilchrist for City Clerk. Uh, and I'm excited to uh, have your support, join our movement. We have offices on the east side and the west side of Detroit. You can come to volunteer. You sign up at gilchristforcityclerk.com. We want to thank you, Mr. Garland Gilchrist, for being on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And we wish you much success in this upcoming November election. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Helen Keller once said, The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. What a truly profound and compelling statement. Our book entitled Vision is strategically designed to give you the tools you need to see yourself and your future in a whole new way. Vision, coming soon. Visit michaelnemons.org for more details. Looking for a professional tax and bookkeeping service? Then look no further than Consumer Tax Connect. This is a full-service preparation and bookkeeping service that prides itself on great customer service, professionalism, and getting results. Have tax returns that still need to be filed or getting audited or having issues with IRS? Call Consumer Tax Clinic today at 248-395-0079. That's 248-395-0079. Consumer Tax Clinic, a tax service designed with you in mind. It's the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. We'll be right back. It's the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Well, we're back, and I hope you enjoyed that interview with Garland Gilchrist, candidate for Detroit City Clerk. I truly appreciate him being on the show with us. And remember, if you want to volunteer for his campaign, go to www.gilchristforcityclerk.com and get all the information you need to become a volunteer for Garland Gilchrist City Clerk campaign. We're going to get right into our question of the week. Is it okay for Christians to celebrate Halloween? And I know there are a lot of opinions out there. We've gotten a few of them. We'll share in our listener segment in just a few minutes. And we'll open the phone lines up for you to call into the show as well. Uh, But is it okay for Christians to celebrate Halloween? Uh, Maybe celebrate might not be the right word because Halloween has always been associated with the dead, with evil, with dark, and very morbid things. What is there to celebrate, really? So, traditionally speaking, Christians did not participate in Halloween activities because it was considered to be the devil's holiday. It was never officially recognized in the old church because the last thing they were going to do was give any glory to the devil. Can I get a witness? 
children were typically prohibit, prohibited from participating in these kinds of activities. Churches nowadays have progressed a bit to the point where they will have activities on church grounds. Trunk or tree, God's creation parties, hallelujah hype nights, Christian themed gatherings that serve as an alternative to what the world may be doing to celebrate this otherwise demonic holiday. What I find interesting as well as ironic is that the church 30 years ago did not allow for children to participate in Halloween activities, although things were a lot safer in their neighborhoods and communities. But now that we live in a day and time where the neighborhoods and communities are not as safe anymore and all kinds of safety precautions must be taken before you can engage in Halloween activities and this is the era in which most churches do recognize the holiday and allow their parishioners and their children to participate in activities and even host activities that co correspond with the day. Uh, what that tells me is the church understands the changing times and they understand that the methods can change just as long as the message of Jesus Christ stays the same. That's very important. So uh, what was done 30 years ago or what wasn't done 30 years ago uh, is open uh, to change in this new church era and that's where we are right now we can't expect to be doing the same things we did 30 years ago today and so I applaud the church for being more progressive and opening up its doors to opportunities to share the word of God and the kingdom of God with those who don't know don't know God in a new way I remember going to Christian parties at my church with my creation parties at my church with my sister as a kid. And I remember very vividly a time where my sister and I were walking through a haunted house where we were both very young. And I remember seeing somebody get out of a casket. <laughs> and the next thing I remember was breaking and running. I mean, I broke out. And broke out of that haunted house And leaving my poor sister behind To fend for herself And she ended up running out of her shoes To save her young life Oh, that was so funny And I, I remember as a youth pastor of our church Having acti activities on Halloween for our youth That were an alternative to trick-or-treating Or doing other things that are usually associated with this day Now our church does trunk-or-treat Where our young people line up And they, they trunk-or-treat out of the, the trunks of cars Of people who want to give them candy And, 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 and hundreds of young people come from far and near to be a part of this annual event that we have every year at Greater Grace Temple. So I I'm, I want to get your thoughts on the other side of this break that we're going to take in just a second. Uh, when you when we come back, we want to get your thoughts. We have some that we're going to share with you from our Facebook friends who've uh, already answered the question: uh, Is it okay to for Christians to celebrate Halloween? We're going to get Get right into that when we come back. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. Keep it locked. It's their birthday. 
and need a great present for that special someone, call KCN Designs and sit back and smile. KCN Designs specializes in all occasion custom baskets that are sure to make that special someone smile. Call KCN Designs at 248-820-3691 and order your custom basket today. Helen Keller once said, the only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. What a truly profound and compelling statement. Our book entitled Vision is strategically designed to give you the tools you need to see yourself and your future in a whole new way. Vision, coming soon. Visit michaelnemis.org for more details. Well, we're back and it's time to get some feedback from some of our listeners and Facebook friends and on social media. Remember, if you'd like to get in on all the listener fun and this listener portion of the show, follow our social media accounts at TOL Radio Show and on Instagram at the TOL Radio Show and on Facebook on Facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio. And you can call us at 646-787-1615. 646-787-1615 is the phone number. We're going to go straight to our Facebook page so you and read some of the comments that people have left us regarding this question. Is it okay for Christians to celebrate Halloween? Our first comment comes from um, Dennis Norton. Who says, uh, question, is there a difference between celebrating Halloween and trick-or-treating? Uh, in short, my answer to your question is, is, it is a matter of the heart and your thought process making your decision. I don't do Halloween, but will give candy to children on occasion that are trick-or-treating. Good answer. And so... Uh, somebody else, Sugar Shane said no, but I do not in the historic way though. Uh, Gerald Bottom said I did as a child and never turned into a ghost, goblin, wizard, etc., and chose the love of God as an adult. Patricia Ballard said we call it harvest as an alternative to keep our children off the streets and out of harm's way. We play games. We give the children lots of candy. They're allowed to wear a costume as long as it's not anything demonic. So we're not celebrating Halloween per se, just keeping our children safe. Some would say that's even wrong. Interested in what your thoughts are on that. Well, Again, uh, I think the word celebrate there might be a little controversial because, again, Halloween has always been associated with the dead and with death and evil. So what is there really to celebrate uh, when you're talking uh, along those terms? But uh, I guess the question really should have been, um, do you uh, do you as Christians allow your children to participate in Halloween festivities such as tr trick-or-treating, trunk-or-treat, or going to a 
Halloween party or even a Christian theme Halloween party uh, what are your thoughts on that but these are some of the Facebook uh, messages that we've gotten and uh, we're going to go to our Facebook fan page where people have left, up, left us messages as well on this question is it okay for uh, Christians to celebrate Halloween uh, these are some of the the comments that we've gotten. Denise Coffee says Halloween is a very demonic holiday. There's an origin to everything about it. In the days of old, the purpose of the candy was to ward off demonic spirits. It's not one day; it's a festival of Black Sabbath days. Uh, Cynthia Knowing Lions Truly if there was no Halloween Previously I told Saints That I had a great idea for a celebration That focuses on Fun or focuses on for fun Death, fear, witchcraft, torture Etc They rightfully think I was possessed <laughs> I guess she's she's trying to be funny here uh, Rosalind TM says That uh, it's a high holiday Witches, warlocks is opening gateway uh, She also said Which is a comment Which is, I agree with uh, That it should be a time for evangelism And I certainly agree with that uh, Perspective Because uh, uh, whenever the church gets involved on days like this, it's always because they're trying to show uh, those who don't know God an alternative uh, uh, on on how to uh, have wholesome Christian fun on a day that's otherwise looked at as as a demonic holiday. Uh, as I said earlier, our, our church does trunk or treat. Uh, there are other churches that have hallelujah hype nights where uh, you wear Christian uh, themed costumes or uh, costumes are that are not demonic associated, uh, uh, demonic um, don't have any demonic Association, so you know, Batman, Superman, Spider Man, those types of uh, superheroes are okay uh, for those types of occasions or, or events. So, um, that's what we're saying in essence when it comes to, or at least that's what I believe people are saying when it comes to uh, answering the question is it okay uh, for Christians to celebrate Halloween? I appreciate your thoughts and your feedback on. Uh, this question Is it okay to celebrate uh, For Christians to celebrate Halloween uh, we, we are certainly um, Not encouraging uh, Anyone to Do anything that they don't feel Comfortable doing That wasn't the nature of the question But really it's just to get a general consensus On what people's thoughts are on this subject matter Well we're going to take our last Break of the night and when we come back We're going to give you our thought Of the week stay close it's the Thinking Out Loud Radio show we'll be right back You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio show Keep it locked Keep it locked Keep it locked Hi, my name is Renita James, and I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with the radio host, Michael Nimmin. I encourage you to tune in on Tuesday evenings from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Blog Talk Radio. Listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show every Tuesday from 8 to 9 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com forward slash thinking out loud radio. 
or watch us live on our Thinking Out Loud radio show fan page. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. Looking for a professional tax and bookkeeping service? Then look no further than Consumer Tax Connect. This is a full-service preparation and bookkeeping service that prides itself on great customer service, professionalism, and getting results. Have tax returns that still need to be filed or getting audited or having issues with IRS? Call Consumer Tax Connect today at 248-395-0079. That's 248-395-0079. Consumer Tax Connect, a tax service designed with you in mind. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. It's time, 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 time for the Thinking Out Loud radio show thought, 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 thought of the week. And our thought of the week comes from Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse number 12, where the Apostle Paul writes, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This scripture speaks to the reality of the existence of evil spirits and powers that the devil uses to occupy the minds of the susceptible, naive, and vulnerable men and women. What the devil has done through the holidays like Halloween is satirize the spirit world so it's not seen as the vicious, threatening, malicious force that it really is. Having people dress uh, dress up like ghouls and goblins is just an unassuming way of subconsciously disarming people to the notion of demonic forces at work destroying the minds of men. What we must understand is demonic forces are just as real as the angels that we preach and teach about. Just as angels are sent by God, demons are emissaries of the devil to do his evil bidding. One of the devil's primary strategies is to disguise his actions under the guise of satire and harmless fun as a way to disarm people's sensibilities towards evil. And he does this so that he can catch you off guard or catch you by surprise. The devil prides himself on deception and distraction. These are two very important weapons in his arsenal so that he can continue to perpetuate the greatest trick that he's ever pulled over on mankind was to convince the world that he doesn't exist. Have you ever considered how easy it is to get into a debate about the existence of God over a debate about the existence of the devil? This is what he does. And this is why Jesus recommended for us to watch as well as pray. 
And he says it more than once for us to watch, which leads me to believe that he wants us to be aware. He wants us to be conscious of our surroundings. He wants us to be in the words of our ethnically conscious brothers and sisters. Stay woke. Stay woke, my friends. Stay woke. I want to thank Garland Gilchrist, candidate for Detroit City Clerk, for being on our Thinking Out Loud radio show. Remember, if you want to volunteer for his campaign, go to www.gilchristforcityclerk.com and get all the information you need to volunteer for Mr. Garland Gilchrist's Detroit City Clerk campaign. I also want to thank you, our listeners, for tuning in to this Halloween edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. I hope you enjoyed this show. Well, we'll see you same time, same station next week with another Power Pack show just for you. And so until next time, if you can if you can think it, then you can believe it. If you believe it, then you'll see it. If you can see it, then you'll be it. If you can be it, then you will achieve it. The power rests within you. Remember, the mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want. The power is in you. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thanks for listening. The Detroit Youth Choir is a nonprofit organization right here in the city of Detroit. Uh, we service young people between the age of 8 and 18 in the performing arts. We, uh, we do music education. We do uh, learning, a lot of learning by rope, you know, hands-on and uh, acting and performing. You have a big opportunity coming up. Tell our listeners about that. The Detroit Youth Choir has uh, been called upon to audition for America's Got Talent. Uh, this is our first time actually auditioning for something this big. And so... You're going to need funds for this trip, right? Yes, sir. We're going to need approximately $5,000 uh, to, to help us uh, with lodging and also transportation for this trip. If you want to donate towards this worthwhile cause, just go to DetroitYouthChoir.org and make your donation today. Thank you for listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Be sure to support all of our show sponsors. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, or TuneIn. Want to book Michael Nemens for a speaking engagement, book signing, or corporate event? Send an email to contact at michaelnemons.org. Be sure to follow the show on all of his social media accounts on Twitter at TOL Radio Show, on Instagram at The TOL Radio Show, and on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio. Are you an entrepreneur and want to advertise? Become a Thinking Out Loud Radio Show partner. Send an email to Thinking Out Loud Radio Show at gmail.com. We have some affordable advertising packages just for you. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.